Good morning. Those of you guys who are uh, just joining us for the first time in a while, uh, just so you're caught up, we're in a series called Peace on Earth, where we've been looking at the different types of peace that Christ brings into our lives. In the last few weeks, we've looked at peace with others, and we've looked at Ephesians 2. We've seen peace within or peace with ourselves as we experience the peace of God, not just the peace of God, but the God of peace from Philippians chapter 4. And this morning, we're going to actually go to the very beginning, where it all starts. Uh, And I've kind of placed this out of order for, for a purpose, because this, in my opinion, is the one on which it all hinges. And I wanted us to finish here as we prepare to celebrate Christmas Eve tomorrow night. I wanted us to finish with peace with God, so that we would we would have our hearts and our minds prepared to fully celebrate and understand what it means when we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ and why it's so important. So this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 and we're going to be looking at peace with God. And I think it's, it's interesting, we've used this as our key verse all month long, which is Luke 2, for, uh, 2.14. And this is when the angels come to the shepherds and the first angel says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Today a Savior is born in the town of Bethlehem. And then the company of angels join and, it's, and they sing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Peace on earth. And when we think about that peace, that peace ultimately is between us and God. This is the most basic need that we have is peace with God. This is foundational to our pursuits of every other kind of peace. And I can tell you from experience that when you begin seeking peace with others or you try to find peace within yourself, if you don't first have peace with God, all of those efforts will eventually fail. And you'll find that peace, the very thing that you're looking for, is going to continue to lack in your life. This morning, as we look at peace with God, uh, as I prepared this message and and I looked at this passage, I realized, uh, I was reminded greatly of Charles Dickens' classic, Christmas Carol. And if you remember the story, if you know the story, you know that Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And this morning, we're not going to be looking at ghosts, we're going to be looking at gifts, We're going to look at the three gifts of peace with God that that is offered in and through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through verse 11. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God, God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, 
we will be saved through him from wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now received this reconciliation through him. I'm going to go ahead and switch mics here. Can you hear me now? All right. This is going to be uncomfortable for me because I like to talk with my hands. So all right, I'll do my best. So what I want us to see right here is, let's look back at verses 1 and 2, because this is really going to lay the foundation. This is going to lay the foundation for us. And in verse 1, the Apostle Paul tells us this. He says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that I want us to see is the gift of Christmas past. This is something that has taken place in the past and has been settled for all eternity for those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And that is the gift of Christmas past is our justification, is our justification. Now, I know that this is a big theological term and we don't always use uh, big theological terms because uh, I've heard a story once of a, a a pastor who went to the doctor, and the doctor comes in the room, and he starts using all these medical terms, and the pastor says, hold on a second. I I don't understand a thing that you're saying. And the doctor looks at him and says, now you know how I feel every Sunday. All right? So let's look at this word, justification. Here's what it means. Let me give you a real basic definition. Justification simply means that we are declared righteous in the sight of God that through the cross of Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous. And Paul tells us that we have peace with God. Being justified means that, that God declares you just in his sight. And here's how this happens. We, uh, I'm going to use another word, another big word, called imputation. And simply means credited to your account. And so what happened on the cross of Jesus Christ was when he died on the cross, that moment he's hanging on the cross, all of our sin was put onto him. And then the moment that we put our trust in Jesus Christ, his righteousness is transferred to us. And so there's a crediting to the accounts. When Jesus dies on the cross and pays the penalty for our sins, that account is wiped clean. And then his righteousness is transferred to our account. And so when God looks at us, for those who have put our trust in Christ and Christ alone, and God looks at our account, what he sees is not the sin balance that remains, but the justification, the righteousness of his one and only Son. So to be justified with God means that we have peace with God, and this is something that it's, it's, it's by faith is what Scripture tells us. He says that we do this by faith alone. He says, since we have been justified by faith, notice it's not by works, not by tradition, not by baptism, not by church attendance or church membership. It's not by your piety or your parentage, but by faith alone. It's when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord that the supreme treasure of our lives, that we are united to him and his righteousness is counted towards our account by God. We are justified by faith. And the result is peace with God. God's anger at us because of our sin is put away. Now, some of you say, God's anger. Why would God ever be angry with me? And the reality is that we may not feel like we're that bad of a person when we compare ourselves to other people, but if we were to compare ourselves to a perfectly holy and righteous and just God, then we see that someone who is perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, perfectly just, in all that he has ever done, 
and ever will do, has a right to be angry about our sin. He has a right to be separated from us because of our sin. And that's exactly what Paul tells us later in verse 6. He says that at one time, we were enemies of God. He says, for while we were still helpless at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me and that's you apart from Christ. And then in verse 8, he says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared by his, been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through, uh, through him from wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved from his life? Now think about this. This is something that that I think a lot of us fail to realize is that sin is the greatest obstacle to our peace with God because our sin carries with it the very wrath of God. God's anger burns against our sin. And I think those of us who've ever experienced sin in our own lives, and we know that it's sin when we do it, and for just a moment, we experience that displeasure with our own choice. We experience that anger at our own sin. Now imagine feeling that all the time. And it's hard for us to imagine that God would ever be our enemy, but the reality is that we each and every single one of us have chosen to be enemies of God by our own choice to sin. In the next section, Paul talks about how Adam, Adam was the first man. And when Adam and Eve chose to sin, sin entered the world and it broke the very foundation of creation. In fact, it broke all of humanity because that sin nature was passed down to each and every single one of us, yet each and every single one of us has still chosen, just as Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and to sin, each and every one of us has chosen to disobey God. But then he goes on and he says, but in Christ Jesus, the gift came into the world, the gift of salvation. He says that the gift was not like the trespass. It was even greater it's made available to us. And uh, something that, that is hard for us to understand is that at the end of our life on this earth, or whenever Jesus comes back, that there is a day that is coming. The Bible makes this plain that there is one day when God's full wrath will be poured out on sin. And Scripture tells us in Revelation 20 that those who are unbelieving, those who have yet to put their trust in Jesus Christ, will be cast into a lake of fire. And it goes on and it it describes this lake of fire as a place of torment forever and ever. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Not the Christmas message you were expecting, but let let me just say, those of you who've attended before, you know that we're not really a fire and brimstone church, but I'm I'm mentioning this to show you how seriously God takes sin. Because it's only when we realize how seriously God takes sin that we realize how beautiful the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, is. That He would choose to send His Son to lay down His life on the cross to take our sin upon Himself. And the question is, how can we be rescued from this wrath? How can we possibly be rescued from this wrath? Who can rescue us from the wrath of God and the The answer is very clear, not only in this text, but throughout the rest of Scripture. That it's not ourselves that can rescue ourselves. It is God and God alone 
who can rescue us. It's God and God alone who can rescue us. There's a story about a, a man who, whose wife was a strong Christian believer. He was a farmer and didn't often go to church because church happened uh, to be on a day when he was actually able to rest or catch up on other chores that he needed to do around the farm. He did attend with his wife on Christmas Eve, and at Christmas he heard about Jesus. He heard about the Son of God who came to earth and became man and died on the cross for our sins, and, and it, it blew his mind, and he couldn't quite understand how, how could it be possible, and why would it be that God would send his own Son to be contained in human flesh and then die on the cross for our sins? A couple weeks after Christmas, the farmer was out and he was preparing because there was a blizzard coming. And this was a storm unlike this area had, had seen in a long time. And as he looked out his windows after getting all of his animals put away, he noticed that a flock of geese had landed in his field. And so he decided that he needed to do something because this was going to be colder temperatures than ever and he knew that this entire flock of geese would not survive the cold temperatures that were coming. And so he opened his barn doors thinking that if I could just get them in the barn, then they would be safe. But of course, when he opened the doors, they didn't go in. These are wild geese. And so he thought to himself, you know, if I could just go out and kind of lead them in, if I could just take them in, then, then maybe they'd go in the barn. But of course, these are wild geese. So he would get within about a hundred yards and they would just pick up and move away, pick up and move away, pick up and move away. And then the thought crossed his mind. Hey, you know what? I've, I've got my own goose. What if I get my goose and I send it through the flock and then they would lead them in? So he goes and he gets his own goose out of the barn and he sends his goose in and sure enough, that goose flies in and leads the other geese into the safety. And in that moment, he said, man, if only I could have become a goose, I could have saved the whole flock. And it was at that moment that he realized that that's exactly why Jesus had to become man. It's because if he had just shown up as God, there would be no way for him to have led the people to safety. There would have been no way for him to pay the penalty that was due. And in that moment, he understood why God would choose to send his, only, his one and only son, that he had to become one of us in order to pay that penalty and in order for us to be able to be led into safety. I love this in verses 9 and 10. Just a reminder that this is not by ourselves. It's not of our own works. I have here highlighted and underlined, there are five passive verbs here in this one section. And those of you who are not great at English, passive means that it's someone else who's doing the action. It's not you. Let's listen to what Paul says. How much more than since we have now been declared righteous, we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? I think it's interesting that Paul uses so many passive tense verbs. What a great reminder that it's not by our works. It is by faith. It is by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And it simply is a gift that we put our trust in Christ. 
One of the things that I love about this passage is the very first section in verse 1, when, when Paul says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a better translation of that phrase, we have peace with God, is actually, let us keep having peace with God. He says, since we have been justified, let us keep having peace with God. And that is the present or the gift of Christmas present. That's the gift of Christmas present, that we get to not only look back at the moment we've put our trust in Christ and know that we have peace with God, but right now we can have peace with God here and now. And he goes on in verse 2, and he says this, that peace with God is our sanctification. He says, we have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand. This is, again, another big another big word that I want to take a second and give us a definition for. This is the process of sanctification, and it simply means that we are becoming more like Christ. We are being transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ. And again, this is the work of God in our lives, that we are growing to be more like God in increasing measure. And it's our relationship with God that opens the the door for us to be able to deepen our relationship with Him and gain more intimate knowledge and experience of Him. And as we experience more and more of God, we experience more and more of the peace of God. That word in verse 2 where it says that we have gained access is actually, actually means that we have a, the privilege or the right of approach. And it was used to talk about a king or of someone in, in a very high position. And so Paul says, hey, we have access. We have access. And we may think, okay, so why do we need this access? Why do we need these things? Let's continue on and look at what Paul says in verse 3. He says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Now, as we talked about this this past week, we were talking about where I was going to go with the message with, with the staff. And some of you guys may not know this, but every Tuesday when our staff meets, I actually share with them, hey, here's, here's where I'm going with the message, and what do you guys think? What are some thoughts that you have on this passage? Um, what's, what am I missing? You know, what illustrations or stories do you have? And, uh, you know, Lauren, Stephen, myself, and Mason all get together, and we talk about the passage. And you may not have known that our messages are actually developed as a team. Um, but I do what any good writer does. I take all of their uh, good ideas, and I take them as my own, and I never give them any credit. So you may not have known that we develop our messages as a team, but they all weigh in, and, and I, I work with my wife as well. And as we talked about it as a staff, we were sitting around, and one of the staff members said, you know, I think, I think the gift of Christmas past and gift of Christmas future are going to be the ones that people are really going to have the, the hardest time with. And then uh, the other staff member and I said, you know, I actually think it's this middle one. I think it's the sanctification process that we're going to struggle with the most because most of us get that, hey, Jesus died and someday I get to go to heaven, right? Like that's, that's what we get the most when we think about Jesus and why he died. It's this sanctification process that we struggle with the most. And let me give you, I think I've already given the definition of sanctification, that we're just becoming more and more like Christ. We're being transformed into his image. And it's really hard because Paul tells us in verse 3 that we're going to face affliction. 
Now, the reality of having peace with God is that it doesn't mean our life is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face difficult things. There are many, many followers of Jesus Christ who have struggles in their marriage. There are many followers of Jesus Christ who lose loved ones. They face death. They lose their job. They, they fail a class or fail an exam. We face very hard things. Some of you this week are going to go home, maybe tomorrow. Maybe you have family coming in that you just really struggle with. And you know there's going to be arguing, there's going to be fighting, and it's going to seem like there's no peace in your home. But here's what Scripture says. It says that we will face affliction. It means suffering, distress, or pressure. But as we face that, in relationship with the access to God, we face it, and instead of trying to take it on on our own, we go before the Lord and we say, Father, help me through this. Give me your peace during this time. It says, as we face affliction, it brings perseverance. Another way of saying that is steadfastness, that, that we remain. It's the ability to remain under difficulty without giving in. We have that perseverance. And it's only when we face affliction that we can actually develop perseverance. You can't develop perseverance without suffering, without perseverance. And then Paul goes on and tells us that that steadfastness, that perseverance develops character. Proven character. A word that's used here is actually a word that means uh, certificate of authenticity. It's the idea of when you buy a famous painting or you buy a piece of art that the artist would sign it to guarantee that it's genuine. Or you buy uh, a baseball or a football that's been signed by someone famous, you typically get a, a certificate that tells you that this is a genuine article. And that word for proven character means the same thing. It means that as you face affliction and you begin to persevere, you're able to stand up under it. It develops a character within you that is a sign for others who are watching that this one is a follower. This one is a believer of Jesus Christ. This one belongs to the Lord. Now, as I thought about this this week, I'd actually had a conversation a week before with some friends of mine who are also pastors, and we were talking about the beauty of the assurance of salvation. That's really what this whole passage is about. That God wants us to know that once we've put our trust in Christ, we are His for all eternity, and there's nothing that we can do to remove ourselves or to lose our salvation. And I know that there are some here who are struggling, and, and you're going to have struggles And just because you're facing the affliction should not be a reason for you to question whether or not you're saved. If you can answer, yes, I have put my trust in Christ and Christ alone. But as we talked about assurance of salvation, one of the pastors said, you know, one of the things that I challenge our people all the time is this, that if they're not experiencing growing in the likeness of Christ— on a regular basis, like if you can look back and you're not experiencing, continually experiencing the peace of God, you're not growing with God, he says, then I always challenge them with this, that you would spend some time in prayer asking God, have I truly put my trust in you and you alone? And he said, I would rather have a church full of believers that lose one full night of sleep and anguish because they're wrestling with whether or not they've trusted Christ than to give someone false assurance and have them face the fires of hell for all eternity. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe you're in a season where you're not experiencing the peace of God, 
or peace with God. And I would just challenge you, are you able to look back and say, yes, I, I am certain that I have put my trust in Christ and I'm just in a season where I'm not experiencing it? Or as you think about your life, do you continually see that, wow, I'm, I'm not experiencing the peace of God? And perhaps the reason you're not experiencing the peace of God in this, in this time right now is because you've skipped step one in the first gift. And you've tried to go straight to step two. You see, we can't experience sanctification. We can't experience the ongoing peace of God if we have not yet first experienced his justification. So I want to challenge you this morning, and, and here's my struggle. I grew up in a church where uh, we had a lot of what I call fruit inspectors. They were spiritual fruit inspector, and it was their job to go around to determine whether or not somebody was actually saved based on how much spiritual fruit they were producing, right? And here's what I want to say about this. I cannot be the judge as to whether or not you've truly put your trust in Christ. No one else in this room can be the judge as to whether or not you've put your trust in Christ and Christ alone. That is something that you must answer between you and God. That is something that you must answer. Only you can answer that question. Only you can have that assurance. But if you can say, yes, I am trusting in Christ and Christ alone, then you can be assured of your salvation. And I would encourage you that one of the beauties of the gift of justification is not just that we have salvation for someday, and not just that it happened back then, but we get to walk in ongoing peace with God. As he transforms us into the image and likeness of his son, Jesus Christ, we can face the suffering saying, you know what, I'm going to face this because God has put it in my life to develop endurance, to develop perseverance so that I can develop proven character, so that I can learn to depend more and more on him. And let me say this, I think too often as Christians, when we face something difficult, when we face something hard, we look at it and say, oh, the devil's doing this. We give the devil way too much credit. Sometimes God just wants to develop your perseverance and character. And we ought to thank God for the struggles when they come, recognizing that, Lord, you have a purpose for me going through this. Teach me what it is. Let my character be developed and proven. Let my character be proven in you. The last thing I want us to see is this. It's the gift of Christmas future. In verse 2 of chapter 5, Paul tells us this. The second half, he says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is the gift of Christmas future. It's our glorification. Sanctification, excuse me, justification, sanctification, and glorification. And let me give a real simple definition of glorification. Glorification is simply this, that it's the moment we have full conformity to the character of Christ. And this is not something that will happen in this lifetime. This happens after we leave this earth, when we enter the presence of God, those who have put their trust in Christ, in that moment, we will be glorified and we will, we will achieve the fullness of our salvation. We will know what it's like to be like Christ because this shell of a body that contains us is sinful and in that moment when we pass from death into eternal life, it's gone. And we become fully like Christ. It's, it's the hope that we have to look forward to. And I love this idea of hope in Scripture. Now, most of us have kids. Raise your hand if you have kids or grandkids. How many of you have heard over the last few weeks or days what they hope to get for Christmas? Right? So when we use the word hope, we often think about things in terms of uh, something that's uncertain. 
right? I hope I win the lottery. I hope I get this for Christmas. I hope I can make it to your Christmas party. It suggests uncertainty, but when the Bible uses the word hope, it's confident expectation. Confident expectation, right? So it's a guarantee that this will happen, and I'm just waiting for it to happen. I'm just waiting for it to happen. In verse 10, the Apostle Paul tells us this. He says, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Hey, if God was our enemy and he would send his own son to die for us, how much more will he do for us now that we are his through his son Jesus Christ? How much more life and greater life will he give us through his son Jesus Christ? This is the beauty of Christmas. The beauty of Christmas is that it's the gift that keeps on giving, like the Jelly of the Month Club, right? It's Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving all year long. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's a moment in our past when we have said yes to Jesus Christ through faith. It's the continual transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ as we look forward to the day when we are finally, our salvation is finally realized in Jesus Christ, when we meet our Savior face to face and we are transformed in an instant to be like him, never knowing sin or the consequences of sin ever again. I've heard, I've heard it explained this way. When we think about salvation, we have to think about it past, present, and future. Someone once said it like this, I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. This is the beauty of Christmas. This is the beauty of the birth of, of Jesus Christ, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the Gospels, we read, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Unto you is born a Savior. This is why Jesus came. On that day, a Savior, the Messiah, the Sovereign One was born so that God would get the glory and that you and I would know peace. That peace comes only through the Savior. May the God of peace give you peace and may He get His glory.